Hi, this is Dr. Jane Battenberg, author of Change Within, Change the World. In this weekly podcast, I interview changemakers who are at the cutting edge of new thought and consciousness awareness. Join me as we change within and change the world together. Our guest today is Nancy Jones to talk about what really matters. What's the point of one's life? As a mother of four, she's been an English teacher, a writer, and a coach to guide students in writing their college entrance essay. Nancy, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for inviting me. This is quite an honor to be here with you today. So you guide students in writing their college entrance essay. So what's your starting point? Is it correcting their grammar or composition? Or is it something else? Because I know that you say you love to problem solve. I do. And in fact, the reason why I decided to begin to make this a regular career, I suppose, is because kids were really struggling with what to write. Their parents would make suggestions. Oh, you could write about when you did a missionary trip or when you built that bridge with your grandfather. But the problem was that the kids didn't have their own story that would give evidence to what they were trying to assert. I'm a leader or something. Everything was very just sort of, it was really, really uncomfortable. They were, it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't their voice. And so as I've begun to talk with these kids, I realize a lot of them don't have their voice because they don't know what really matters to them. Tell about that one student that was so <laughs> uncomfortable. Okay, I do. I have a great, there was a, a, a young man that came to me. His, I think his mother sent him to me because his essay just was not getting written. And sometimes they do, they just shut down. They're not comfortable with it. They just are not going to write it. And they'll pick a college that will take them because they don't have to write an essay. So he was in that spot at that, at that time. And he came in and he had his computer and he, he came in, shook my hand and he sat down and was very sitting straight up and turns on his computer and looks at me and says, what's your Wi-Fi password? I said, well, do you need to share your something with me or like a resume or something? And he said, well, no, aren't we going to write my essay? I said, well, <laughs> yeah, we're, we will, but, but do, you know, I thought you were having trouble getting started. I thought you were having trouble writing it. And he just looked at me like, well, <laughs> like I was going to tell him what to write. And that's not the case. So he put his, his computer down and then he crossed his legs. And I said, so, so tell me, what do you think? Do you have an idea of what you would like to study when you're in college? And he crossed his legs again and he wrapped his arms kind of around himself and he was messing with his hair and and a whole time saying, well, I took all these business classes and my dad says I need to be in marketing and to, and to be in his legs are crossing and uncrossing and he's shifting in his seat. He says, I need to go into sales. And I looked at him. And I said, stop talking. I don't really want to ever hear those words out of your mouth again, because I've never seen anyone more uncomfortable in my entire life. And so he looked at me like he was shocked because he was. And so we had to back up. I had to ask him sort of the classes that he took so that, you know, those are easy answers. Oh, okay, I know that. Um, I had to ask him what his elective classes were other than business classes. And so as we, as he sort of started to calm down a little bit, I finally had to back him all the way up to what toys did you play with when you were a kid? Oh. And finally he said, oh, I loved Legos. 
I said, oh, you love Legos. And he said, yeah. And I said, what kind of computer games do you play? And he said, I loved Minecraft. Now, this is before Minecraft, this resurgence of Minecraft lately. But this was the original Minecraft. And that right there let me know, this is, this is a kid with an underlying engineering interest. But he'd never taken any engineering classes. By the end of those conversations, those the little back and forth, it was very clear to me that he wanted to do something that was very much a problem solver, but he couldn't really come up with a problem. And I finally said, so what really, what pisses you off? And he goes, oh, traffic. I hate the traffic in this area. It's awful. If they would just blah, 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 he starts going on and on about if they would just change this light or fix this road or double this thing. And so finally it occurred to him, which it was very clear to me, he really needed to be in civil engineering. And I believe he's either graduating this year with a civil engineering degree, or he may have already graduated. But by going through and asking him what he did, what, how did he spend his time, what mattered to him, that was probably the most fun that I've ever had doing this job. And so you sort of ran interference with his parents? I or? did, I did. His mom was not happy that he wanted to switch. But he went on, um, I think it's Khan Academy has an online engineering class that you can take for free. And he just flew right through it. And then he took engineering classes his senior year and did very well. And so they, they agreed. And he got in to an engineering class, at an engineering school. So, Wow. That must have been good major stuff. heart. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Very rewarding. So you said you've written, you've read my book, Change Within, Change the World. Do you use that in this? Or? I do. In fact, when when I read chapter 11, in which is titled, What's Really Important, oh. it was incredibly helpful for me to have language to what I do. So just like my job is to help kids with their voice, sometimes I need help with my voice too. And so the questions that are asked are what's my higher purpose for this? So every time I go in to meet a new kid, I stop and I take a moment and pray that I'm clear, that I remember the higher purpose for this exercise is not that the kid likes me or that you know that he writes a stellar essay or she writes a stellar essay. That comes, that's, that's the evidence of the work that I'm supposed to be doing, which is that the students understand what matters to them. And they constantly, for the rest of their lives, check in with themselves to see, does this matter to me? Why am I spending my time doing this? I can't count how many times I've gotten roped into you know, being on some committee or taking on some role that I really didn't want to do. And by me doing it, I took a spot that really belonged to somebody else, and it just wore me out. And so that question right there helps me to remember, what is my higher purpose? My higher purpose is to help the kid figure out what matters. But then my ultimate intention is that my students are able to express themselves clearly and concisely in both the written and the verbal. And so I'll have them tell me a story first verbally. And usually when they're really stuck with their writing, I have them tell me, write down that story. It's easier to write a story that you know than to come up with, you know, all the other structural components of an essay. And then what is this problem an example of? Well, that one goes all over the place. Like I said, the reason why I began doing this was because 
kids didn't know what mattered to them. They were just following what people were telling them to do. Mm. And so I always have to remember, this needs to be solving a problem. The end result. The, yeah, the result needs, say, yes, okay. thank you. The result needs to match. Uh, one, of the, one, one of the first things I remind them to do is to read the prompt. Don't just go off on some writing, you know, creative idea. You have to, whatever you write is fine, but it has to, it has to, rem, um, to answer the prompt. And the prompts are? They, they totally vary by colleges. Um, oh, okay. Apply Texas has their own. The Common App has their own. The Coalition application. And then lots of schools have their own application their, and their own specific prompts. And so the kids have to write to that word count and they have to answer the prompt. So is there anything else in the uh, book that guides you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, there are all kinds of things in this book that guide me. Um, I think that the thing that I've that put into words so beautifully, and I'm, and it's in chapter two. One of the most wonderful, inspiring ideas, and is it okay if I read this? Sure. It says, "Remain true to yourself, but move ever upward toward greater consciousness and greater love." At the summit, you will find yourselves united with all those who, from every direction, have made the same ascent. For everything that rises must converge. And so if a kid is stuck doing a job or taking classes that they don't enjoy, they're not going to rise to the top. They're not going to have things in common with those other students who really, truly do love that topic or that position or that job. And so the more true they are to their own skills and passions and interests, the higher they are going to rise in their life. So I'm, I'm just impressed with how you use this book um, because, <laughs> you know, I wrote the book and then I yeah. put it out there and I didn't know. But you sometimes you say you just open it to a page and yeah. it gives you... And, it, and somehow, I think it's the, the fact that it... It sort of sets, it says the same thing that I try to do with my students. Those questions for yourself to always, it's like a gut check. It's oh. like a gut check. If I can answer the question, then I'm, then I'm clear in my thinking. And if I'm not, if not, if I'm not able to answer the question, then I need to get clear in my thinking. I might need to go back and look at what have I Googled lately? You know, it's, it can't just be about buying refrigerators. <laughs> it get, but what sort of things are coming up in my life where I want to know more? I was flipping through Netflix, and I can see this, the, uh, the movies and the documentaries that I've saved for later. Sometimes I have to do that just to, to think about, what am I doing? I'm getting bogged down in, in my life that I'm not, I'm not paying attention to what I need and how to fulfill what my purpose is and figure out in this moment what matters to me. And so sometimes I have to go back and do those sort of rudimentary tools that I give to my kids. Say, hey, go check your Google. What, what, what computer game are you playing? Who did you talk to yesterday? And how does that person, why do you want to talk to that person? What about you do you like when you're talking to that person? What kind of characteristics do they bring out in you? that you enjoy about yourself. So I have to do it too. I think you do it until you're until you're 100 years old. 
I hear that you teach what you most need to learn. So how is helping these students find their true purpose relate to you as you prepare for empty nest with yeah. your four children leaving? <clears throat> yeah. I, I think it's probably the same thing as when you are preparing to have a child, when you're preparing to send them off to kindergarten, when you're prepared to go send them off to college. And now preparing to let them all go off and do their own lives. I mean, they're going to do it anyway, but I don't know that I can prepare myself entirely. I think that with my students, I love working with language. I love, I love poetry because of the conciseness of language and what that inspires in my own imagination. And so people, a lot of people just groan when they think about how to edit but helping kids figure out exactly what they mean with their phrasing. And, and maybe, you know, this paragraph actually seems to matter more than the first paragraph you have. So why don't we flip it? And then you'll feel better about it. And, and they just, oh, that, that's so much better. And so I think sometimes, sometimes I, have to, I have to do that too. And so I think another reason why I love your book is because it gives me the, that opportunity to, if you can glance through it, there are pen marks everywhere and underlining and, and it's folded over and dog-eared because I have to go back and sometimes redo it. I, I was suggesting to you that you put in like a, a pad of paper, sell a pad of paper <laughs> or put extra pages in there just for me so I can, I can make my notes. It's, I'm not a big journal you know, person who writes in a journal every day. I don't go back and do that. But just like I have a Bible that's full of notes and pieces of other stories and clippings and articles and it's stuffed full of that sort of thing and I think it's actually kind of kind of helpful to remind me who I am and again what matters great so what are you going to do when you I mean I think way back when you were raising these children that they were children they were yeah yeah one summer you wrote blogs right I did I did I did and I keep thinking I need to go back and... But and, how successful uh, they were. I mean, were, I hear that you've got almost 30,000 um, hits on them yeah, all I, worldwide. Yeah, I did. It was kind of crazy. I think that was one of those transition times. It was, I think it was 2012, and my oh. eldest child had gone off to college and was, was home for part of the summer. But I was really struggling with... I, I, we have four kiddos, and the oldest three are girls and then our son is the youngest but there were things that I if I reminded myself you know what I was I was successful here and here and here and in in these different areas it sort of I don't gave me a little bit more backbone to sort of face the other things that that I didn't know how to face them or what to do and you know the older they are the less time you have with them and you really don't want to screw it up right before they leave but anyway, so I was writing these blogs, and I did. I had, I think I had like 18,000 hits for that summer. And I don't, I think there might have been 16 blogs. In the US. But they were, yeah, in the US. And then, yeah, I was pretty big in Russia there for a little bit. In France, I, mean, I had quite a, yeah. Where else? Yeah, France, Philippines. Russia, and, Philippines. Yeah, it, all over the place. It was kind of fun. But it really, it did. I think it was kind of one of those moments in my life that was sort of a transition, and it helped that writing helped me get into a, into a place where I was more comfortable to deal with my life. And so I tell my kids when I'm helping them with their essay, this is kind of that same thing. If, you, if it's something 
if something's bothering you, and this mm-hmm. is just a life lesson, if something's bothering you, if something has happened or something that something is going to happen or you're just afraid of it, it's really big when it's up in your head, in your mind. You, it churns and takes over everything and you worry about it. But if you can contain it in language and put it on paper, that almost removes it from your brain as a problem because now you've been able to to put it into into a small space so you can step away from it and look at it with fresh eyes yeah that too absolutely but it gets it out of your it gets it out of your your mind your soul that where it's just bothering you and bothering you you can't have any perspective if if you can like i said if you can contain it on paper it makes it manageable it's like a math problem and so I think mothers all over the world, or parents all over the world, were um, reading your blogs to see how you handled common problems yeah. like discipline and I don't know. Yeah, okay, and, of, and boundaries. I think a big boundaries. a big part of that was boundary was a, a was a, setting boundaries for myself. Um, we we have helicopter parents, of course. That's been a term for a long time, but but then helicopter parents, helicopter parents, where they just sort of they sort of hover like helicopters over their child. The kid goes off to, you know, tie their shoes and the mother does it for them. Or they're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and the mother takes a peanut, you know, oh, you're getting peanut butter all over the counter. And instead of just letting them make the mess and then clean it up themselves, they just get in there and they do everything for them. But the problem with that is that the kiddos don't realize they don't have any confidence in themselves. Oh, I'm not good enough to do this for myself. My mom's going to have to do it for me. You know, and there are a lot of people who volunteer. I'm not saying that everybody does this. I mean, I've done it, you know, to some extent, not realizing the damage that I was doing. But the other part of that, that the blog really addressed was that not only was I taking power away from my kids, but I was also depleting myself of the energy that I needed for me and for my husband. If I'm all worn out taking care of my kids, I'm not a very impressive wife. Oh, so you were being responsible for four kids yourself and your husband, thinking that yes. you had to do it all or oversee it all. Yeah, just to kind of keep up, keep up with the Joneses, which is not, <laughs> it's really not a good plan. So I, I had to step back. Again, I had to step back, step away, and let them, you know, get lost and make a mess and and forget a homework assignment and not eat breakfast. And you know what? They still do it. My youngest still does it. He's a senior in high school and I still fail. I still will jump in there and try to do something for him. And I'll see my husband over there going, mm, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. And so I have to, I need to get my blog back out and, and, and get my backbone back. Help me, help me start thinking about how am I going to fill my cup exactly? What am I going to do? Because I, I don't want to just have raised children or, you know, taught school or done essays or whatever. I mean, I do. I, I think I will continue to, to help because with essays because I love it. I love, I love helping them weed through their, their ideas and their, in their lives. And then they, their eyes, you can watch their eyes just get really wide. And sometimes they cry. They just, I have no idea that I really, that I missed this or that this mattered to me or, or whatever. And, and so I don't, I think I'll, I think I'll do that as long as somebody will want me to. But I do want to, I do want to go back to writing the blog and 
writing books that I've been wanting to write forever. Yeah, you have novels in your head that you've been chewing on on. (laughs) for way too long. And then there are probably other things that I haven't found yet because I haven't taken enough time to to dig around in my Netflix account or my Google account. (laughs) And see what you're really interested in. What do I want to do now? Yeah. So what do you recommend to listeners to find their own passion and purpose in life? You mean besides your book? <laughs> you mean besides reading Change Within, Change the World? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, well, I think, that, I think that for anyone who's, who's struggling, that, or even if they're not struggling, if they know, okay, I'm ready, I want an adventure, I want to do something. I think that from page one all the way through where you have the step-by-step questions for us, I think that that, this is a great place to start. There are so many problems that we haven't solved. Humanity has not solved the problem with mental illness. We've not solved the problem of loneliness or housing or poverty or hunger or abuse. And so the more people we have that are focused on those problems, not blame, but focusing on the problems, the better we're going to be at actually solving them. Hmm. Very good. Okay, well, any last minute thing you'd like to share before we end the show? I think that we are at a pivotal point. Mm -hmm. I think this is January 2020, and there are so many things that are changing that, just like you were talking about the tipping point, I think that if people are convicted about what truly matters, if they know what matters and if they're convicted about it, then we you will mean make like they're convicted meaning convicted meaning they understand their passion and mm-hmm. they they don't try to they don't try to run away from their passion. If their passion is helping um, stray animals and people tease them or I don't know, you know, something like that. If people say, well, why would you waste your time, you know, helping in a pet shelter when you could be getting a job and earning money? Well, you know, sometimes you can do both, but don't ignore something that matters to you. If you, if you have a passion for, for toddlers and you love nothing more than to sit with a toddler and read to that toddler, there are toddlers in this world who would love to sit in your lap and be read to and cuddled and, and appreciated and shared with. My, my own grandmother would hold my son, she was 96 years old, and would read Star Wars books to my son. And they were the closest of friends. They loved each other. And so that, that mattered to her, and it matters to him. At 18 years of age, he still talks about Grandma Vi, and she used to read to me, and those things matter to people. And so don't ignore who you are. Don't try to change who you are. Change to embrace who you are and find a, find a real place to, to put that energy and that passion. Wow, that's very heartwarming. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Well, thank you for having me. So you don't miss any of our shows, make sure you subscribe to podcast.changewithin.com or click the subscribe button below. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Jane Battenberg.